On this episode of RT Engineering Radio, Kaya Santro joins us for a Who Are You and How Did You Get Here interview. We'll learn about her transition from philosophy and linguistics to programming, the ways she thinks RT could improve our developer workflows, her love of learning new skills, and much more. Stick with us. Hello, and welcome to an episode of Artsy Engineering Radio today with very special guest Kaya. We are back with another of our mini series, Who Are You and How Did You Get Here, or Hawaii Hadig for short. And I'm very excited to learn more about Kaya. So I'm going to let you introduce yourself. The first question I have for you is, who are you? Hi, um, I'm Kaya Santro, an engineer at Artsy, mostly focusing on backend stuff and Ruby. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fabulous. And you just started pretty recently, right? A few weeks ago now? Yeah, I started in the beginning of April. So I guess two or three months And you are also part of our kind of Berlin office expansion. We've had a Berlin office for a long time, for a few years now, but it was always a really small office. It was like five people. And so I think you were maybe one of the first people in this kind of wave of Berlin hiring we've done, right? So even though you started two months ago, there are now, I don't know, maybe 10 or 12 engineers who have started more recently than you in the Berlin office. So how are you feeling about being a a new old hand already? Great, actually, it's funny that you mentioned that because I, I was like already helping some some other people with their onboarding or taking someone else under my wings and feeling like there's this advantage of, you know, if you are very close to your own start, you know what the people are struggling with and you, you can relate to it. So maybe that's also an advantage of, you know, helping out new, new people. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Okay, so talking more about, about you and your track as a, as a software engineer and a human being, the next question I have is, when did you start thinking of yourself as a software engineer? I guess that would be somewhere around my first open source contribution. That was during the Rails Girls Summer of Code in, I think, 2017. Yeah, it was a three-month scholarship program, and I was working on plugins for Discourse. Yeah, they were really interesting plugins to build and they are open source plugins that help you to back up the the whole app to different providers. So that was really interesting for me and it was the first time that I produced code that was accessible for other people and had users. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so that's when I started um, feeling like, okay, now I'm beginning to be the person that I want to be, like this kind of software engineer person. Yeah, absolutely. And for those who aren't familiar, can you tell me a bit about Rails Girls? Yeah, Rails Girls. Well, it's in general, it's, I think, founded by two women in Finland. And they kind of made a guideline how to build your own Rails Girls community in your own city. And globally, there are, I don't know how many Rails Girls chapters that, you know, started their own community with beginners workshops for women who want to start coding. And so we were, of course, in the Rails Girls Berlin team. And that's also where I, where I started to learn coding and got into Ruby, especially. 
Yeah, but there are like so many of them uh, worldwide and the Red Skirt Summer of Code is a different thing. It's There was like a scholarship program invented by the Travis Foundation and they basically funded the whole thing and paid you for three months to do this open source stuff. Wow. Yeah, that sounds like a really cool way to go from you know, kind of new software engineer into someone who has more like to their more code to they can show off for, you know, interviews or, or jobs and stuff like that. Yeah. And I love the idea of all of these like, you know, localized community of, of women who are learning to, to code using Rails and that kind of the way that that works. So uh, you and I had talked previously and you mentioned that you were actually a philosophy, you were studied philosophy, is that correct? Uh, before you got into computer science? Yeah, philosophy and historical linguistics. <laughs> wow. And yeah, so very theoretical subjects that have no relation to a lot of things that are like happening in real life. There are also no jobs for that field. <laughs> <laughs> so it was either like staying in the academic field um, after studying that or learning something that is useful for the job market. So I was really interested in, you know, going out there and working and uh, learning something new after after studying philosophy. So yeah, how did you end up going from philosophy, philosophy and linguistics, I guess, to coding? What was your path? Yeah, there were two actually parallel threads <laughs> of, of that path. There was like one thing that in philosophy, I specialized in logics especially formal logics, which, which I really liked. I always had this little affinity to mathematics and logics and was also seeing a really interesting connection between philosophy of language, linguistics, and formal logics. There's like this kind of common field. And I didn't know back then what programming was. So somebody mentioned to me like, oh, if you like uh, logics so much, why don't you try programming? And I, I was really surprised. I didn't know what it was. I thought it was something very boring and and was like, what? Oh, really? It's it's like, like logic, something fun. Maybe I should try that. Yeah. And then the other thread <laughs> I was talking about is the, yeah, the way how I got pushed to, to try it out was because I was helping out someone who had like his own hostel. And he had paid a freelancer to finish the website for the hostel, but then didn't like he ran out of money and, and the freelancer wouldn't finish it. And then they would ask me, like, can you just finish it? You're smart. Just try doing it. <laughs> and the freelancer sat down with me for a night and showed me how to do that. And it was something very simple. And I really got into it. And, and from there started like researching stuff online and seeing how to you know, optimize the whole website a little bit. And when I got back to Berlin, so this was in Morocco. And when I got back to Berlin, I started like searching for workshops that were free because I didn't have money back then. I was still studying philosophy and then afterwards being unemployed. Yeah, so I didn't didn't know, like the only workshops that I could find online were super expensive. Yeah, so the only thing that I found that was for free was the Rails Girls Berlin workshops. <laughs> and that's where I where I learned my first code. <laughs> wow. So it really was sort of this this very kind of organic transition where you just you got interested in it, right? And like kind of learned about it for the first time. That's something that still 
feels kind of sort of shocking to me now that like, you know, I don't think I really had any idea what programming was until I was in, you know, college or something. And I had a friend who said like, oh yeah, like computer science is what I'm interested in. You know, I think there are still a lot of, you know, I think it's being taught more to like, you know, children and teenagers and, and younger people, but, but yeah, it's very possible to not have any idea of like what a career in programming could look like until you're, you know, in your twenties or more even older. So what would you say has been the best decision you've made in your career so far? Mm, yeah, switching from my first job to my second one, because I mean, my first job as developer was so nice and very comfortable also because I had my mentor and he had like mentored me from the beginning. So it was a very cozy environment to grow in. But, you know, at some point, like after working there for like two and a half years, the coziness <laughs> was getting a bit too cozy. So um, it was important for me to, you know, take some courage and step out of this comfort zone and go and see something else to have also something to compare to. I think this is like the best thing that you learn when you when you switch the job and go to another company, you see suddenly, oh, you know, the status quo that I had for the last years is not what other people use as their standard. And the ability to compare also gives you more critical thinking and to see like, is this actually good what we are doing all the time or should we actually change things here? And I think that was the best decision because really kicked off like so much more growth and learning in my career and also fun. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was really interesting to be again in this environment where everything is new and I had to learn new stuff and nothing was cozy. Everything was very complicated. <laughs> And yeah, I like, I like this kind of state of being, yeah, being in the situation where you just have to, you know, go and explore. You're kind of an explorer <laughs> fighting through the jungle of a new code base. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And that's, it's something that I think is, we, we grow from discomfort, right? That discomfort, whether it's, you know, academic or personal, like a lot of times we come out of that, you know, having changed and learned more about ourselves or about our work and that said, the brain really doesn't like discomfort, right? The brain says, oh, no, we're good here. Like, let's mm. let's hang out. So it's hard to sometimes take that step into discomfort. And it's it's great that you were able to do that and really look back on that as a positive choice and acknowledge the like rewards that you reaped from that discomfort. Mm. So what would you say in your in your work now? Are you the most excited about? I mean, of course, this like thing of something new and learning something new but what what i also really get excited about is if if you find out that there's a very simple solution to a complex problem and like if you can actually delete lines of code or legacy code you know this is stuff that gets me most excited i really love simplifying i love reducing stuff and i don't know if that comes from this whole marie kondo <laughs> minimalism movement <laughs> But I feel like refreshed when I sort out, you know, old stuff. And it's the same for me in coding. Like when I clean up code, when I reduce it to something more simple, it gives me this, you know, calmness of the mind. <laughs> and also often it is a really astonishing case, like how you can actually boil down 
complex problems to very simple solutions when you you know try to switch the perspective a little bit and and try to structure the thoughts in in a different way and then you can see like oh you know logically this actually makes sense to just there's just one switch where it needs to be different or this is the check that we need to do and we can do that in a very simple way and i love that this is what gets me most excited i would say yeah and i think a lot of the time when you are new to a code base or an organization those are the times when you're most clearly able to see something that could where there's opportunity for change right because you're not sort of stuck in a way of like oh this is how we've always done it so we'll keep doing it this way are there any things that you've seen in your time at artsy so far where you've said oh you know what we could be doing this better we could be simplifying this we could be improving this it could be technical stuff it could be cultural or organizational stuff what have you seen so far well the first thing that comes to my mind where we definitely could simplify a lot of things is not in the code base but in the development flow i feel like you know we're not using jira the way it could be used we're doing a lot of things manually like moving tickets from one state to the next which could actually be easily hooked up with github and you know having this kind of flow of like I don't know, maybe this is also something very special, but at my last company, we used this tool called Tickety Tick, and it allows you to, like, through your browser, like, you get a browser plugin that uses the Jira ticket to create, like, a ready thing that you can just copy into your terminal, and it will have the command to open the correct branch with the correct branch name for the Jira ticket. And then, you know, like you can already start working on it, make the pull request. And the, if you have this Jira hook with GitHub, then it will automatically link the pull request to the ticket. And it will see like when the ticket is in review, it will see when the ticket is merged and it, the ticket moves automatically. You don't have to do all this. And it's also more clear than when to QA stuff because it's, you know, it moves into this like merged column and then there's this time where you can QA things and, and monitor them on staging and then, you know, it could move to production and everything could be automatic. And I feel like it's a bit weird that we're doing that manually. And also sometimes it's hard to find the right pull request that is actually changing the stuff that is mentioned in the ticket because there's no link. I think that's where we can improve a lot. But yeah, I think technical or code-wise, of course, like, I mean, this is a big organization and I see that also, especially in the Ruby code, I see that there's not only people who are very into Ruby working on the Ruby code. So there's not so much standardized stuff. And, you know, that the Ruby community loves their, like, standards and the sandy mats uh, standards and you know like simplifying everything i don't know this kind of things like a, a method shouldn't have more than five lines and things like that i mean you could be much more stricter with the code there and say yeah we we need to apply this stuff to to our code base but i think personally i'm not so strict i'm i like when people are strict and and i have to restrict myself for the others that's fine but i would never come from myself and say like let's not do this because i i feel like it's not the most important thing maybe 
I don't know, maybe some people will scream now and say no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Controversial. <laughs> yeah, I, I hear that referred to a lot as like idiomatic Ruby, right? That's like, yeah, it's supposed to be like, you know, very kind of self encapsulated and like neat and stuff. And yeah, I think that's a an interesting balance to strike, right? Where on the one hand, part of what I've liked about working at Artsy is that I do think we really encourage people to work in areas where they're not comfortable, right? So yeah. you can be a mobile developer and like go work on Ruby stuff for a while. You can be a Ruby developer and go work on React or JavaScript or TypeScript. So it's not like, you know, you are currently a Ruby developer and that's kind of your your bread and butter, but you'll probably end up working in a lot of different stuff at Artsy. And it's not like we're, you know, forcing people to do that. If you really like the the part of the code you're working in or like the way you're working, you can really have a a long-term and sustained impact on, you know, one particular system or part of the code base or something, but there's also opportunity to move around. But part of the downside of that then is that you have people, you know, I'll use myself as an example here who don't have like a deep Ruby knowledge and yet are contributing to, you know, production code that is going out into the world. And so I'm sure I've shipped a lot of really mediocre Ruby code and that's just, you know, that's the way it's been in the past. So it's a, a good problem to have in my opinion, but it is also like, yeah, could we be doing things better? And how can we kind of like teach each other these habits or these practices that might result in, you know, cleaner code in the long run? Yeah. So what do you think? Do you, have you like found any ways of, you know, whether that's PR review or pairing or, or things where you can kind of have moments where you can teach some of those conventions? Yeah, sure, definitely. I'm also a big fan of tests, especially with RSpec. And uh, I always encourage people to write more tests and I'm also looking very closely at them <laughs> because they are like the things that matter a lot to me. And yeah, I've, I've mentioned that in pull requests as like a reviewer, you know, like we could write a test here or please like add some, some more test cases or something like that. That's one thing. But then the other thing is that I think there are like on a scale these kind of characters that scale from, you know, the person who doesn't mind like details so much, just wants to get shit done quickly, very like hands-on kind of person. And then the other extreme is like the person that will look into every detail, check everything 10 times, take a bit longer because of asking a lot of questions. What if, what, what if this edge case, that's that thing, perfectionist kind of person that doesn't maybe ship so fast. <laughs> and I I think that a good team consists of various people from this scale that can kind of keep each other in check. Because I'm, for example, more of this kind of let's get shit done person. And I need someone to next to me who's always, you know, thinking critically and saying like, but what if this happens or what if that happens? And maybe you, it's better to do this uh, more like that or, you know, going more into the details, asking questions. Like, I don't know. Sometimes I also assume a lot, especially in Rails. Just today I had this kind of situation in a, in a pairing where I I saw like something in the in a model and I, I felt like, okay, this is, I'm just assuming that does what it says because Rails magic. Yeah, and the other person, Kizitro, he was asking, like, why why is that there? Like, why does that work? Is that this thing? And then he forced me to look it up in the documentation, and we found out that it was, it was something that used to be an 
I think, active model dirty kind of class. But since Rails 5 is like part of Rails core, and I was like, oh, interesting. You know, I learned something here because he was asking this question while I was just like, you know, already two steps ahead, like thinking of how to do this and, you know, just assuming something works. But I like having this range of people in a team and then, you know, together you, you build this kind of like swarm intelligence where you would have like the, the best balance of shipping quickly, like getting shit done, putting stuff out there, you know, like even testing in production, huge <laughs> controversial thing, you know, <laughs> and then, and then, but also being safe and, and checking twice, like, is, is it really good what we are doing and having like some kind of quality and security also in your code. And yeah, I always think we need all of this, like characters in the team. I, I think it's okay being you know, the one who who's not so perfectionist. But I I would never work on my own like that. You know, I would always have someone next to me asking these questions. Yeah. I do really like feeling like there's a, a balance of personalities and experiences. Um, something that I have really experienced over my time at RC is I was an extremely junior engineer when I first joined our engineering team because I had actually moved from RC's marketing team. And so... I didn't know very much, you know, I had, I had some background. It wasn't like I was just completely, you know, nothing, but there was a lot of stuff that I didn't make sense to me or that I didn't know. And so I spent a lot of time pairing and, and like receiving, you know, knowledge from people, both general stuff about like how to write Ruby or do things in JavaScript and also, you know, specific artsy things, domain knowledge, uh, how our systems are set up. And now that I've been here for a few years, I have some of that knowledge to, to share. And I really like to be able to do that kind of teaching too, you know? So especially hiring on new people and hiring on more junior people, I think provides those opportunities for both like, you know, learning from whatever background they have, and then also sharing the, the things that we have learned in our time as, as programmers. So that's something that is near and dear to my heart as well as having, you know, a variety of, of people on a team who are going to teach each other different things and learn different things. I think I would be pretty bored if it was like all people who were exactly my level and had exactly my knowledge. I, I would never want to work with, you know, clones of myself. Mm. <laughs> so I've already asked you what in your work gets you the most excited. How about what outside of your work gets you the most excited? What are you doing in your free time these days that's really getting you jazzed? I, I think it's always uh, learning something completely new. And uh, currently that's like driving a car. <laughs> so yeah, I did, I did my driving license two years ago. Now I have my first car and it's still like such an adrenaline rush when I go and sit behind the steering wheel and try to, you know, be a good driver, especially here in the city. It's, it can be a bit yeah crowded sometimes and you really have to be careful with, with all the bike riders. I, I'm like a heavy bike rider myself. I really love bike riding and I'm also very, you know, I think the city should actually be for bike riders. So with that awareness, driving a car, it's also very different, right? You, you feel like you have to be super careful and very like let the bike riders have their own space in the streets and stuff like that while not getting the other cars pissed and you know <laughs> yeah that's that's interesting for me and, and yeah generally if I don't know what like how to do something and it's super new to me and I feel like I'm a total beginner 
that's always so exciting and i had these moments in my life so many times like before the car it was the guitar you know i i have been having this guitar since my childhood and it was just like moving with me from apartment to apartment but i never picked it up and played it was just gifted to me and then at some point i realized okay i want to be that person who knows how to play the guitar when there is a campfire you know <laughs> and <laughs> and i also love singing so yeah so i just picked it up and started to play and then when my fingers started hurting from pushing the the strings i put uh, plasters on them and you know tried to continue and now i have grown thick skin on my fingers and <laughs> some good guitar i know how to play yeah. Yeah, and I, I know how to play basic stuff on the guitar, like all the, you know, the cor the main chords from all my favorite songs, and I can sing along, and it's so good, especially during the pandemics. It had helped me a lot. You always pick up a new song, you know, that you really like, and you try to figure out how to play it, and there's always this really exciting, like, thrill coming from not knowing how to do something, and then, you know, when the first time when you get it right and you feel like, wow, no, I can do that. You know, this is, I love that. And I've always made sure to, to pick up new, new things. Like, uh, for example, also playing football was something I, I started in university and, you know, before that I was always like, oh no, I'm a girl. I don't know how to play football. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah, just went to this football class and, I mean, in Germany we say Fußball, but I mean uh, the the football that is soccer. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah and and then play. I started playing. At first was really bad, you know, like not knowing how to coordinate the ball and stuff. And then at some point I got better and I started scoring goals and playing really good passes with my teammates. And that was so exciting, like having this this feeling of hey, I can actually do this, and I love learning new things. Yeah. I love that you you chase that that excitement of mastering a new skill. That's really great. And as a uh, a fellow bicyclist, I got to say, riding you know so what a part of having moved recently from New York to Berlin has been how different the experience of biking is here. Like New York, you know, you talked about being so considerate and like making sure you're looking out for bikes, and that's kind of been my experience of drivers here is that they're like pretty careful and they let bikes go first. And my God, it is not like that in New York. So <laughs> if you're ever in New York, don't bike if you can avoid it or actually do. But we need like, you know, I don't know, New York is just so built for cars. Like bikes are really way behind. So it's a scary place to bike. There's not as much consideration. The drivers are really aggressive. So I appreciate hearing that your, uh, your approach is very different. All right. Well, last question for you. If you could only use one keyboard shortcut for the rest of your life, what would it be? That would be the command shift five because that's uh, opening the tool for screen recording. And I kind of like that tool. It's always good when you, when you start developing something and then you can actually show a little glimpse of what you're doing in the, you know, in the ticket or somewhere post posted somewhere where people can see how it looks. And yeah, I just like this little command on the, on the Mac, at least, I don't know how it is on other computers. <laughs> That's a great answer. I, I've used Command Shift 4 a lot for screenshots, but I don't think I've ever actually used Command Shift 5. So that'll be my uh, my takeaway for today. I'll try it out. Yeah, try it out. <laughs> 
Well, Kaya, thank you so much for telling me a little bit about who you are and how you got here. Uh, it's fantastic to hear about your journey from philosophy and linguistics to computer science to programming, your journey to driving a car and learning guitar, all of these different skills too. So thanks very much for chatting and welcome again to Artsy. Thanks. It was great. Thanks. Thanks for listening. You can follow us on Twitter at Artsy Open Source. Keep up with our blog at artsy.github.io. This episode was produced by Asia Simpson. And thank you, Eve Essex, for our theme music. You can find her on all major streaming platforms. Until next time, this is Artsy Engineering Radio.